Good morning, beloved Good morning. of the Lord. What is it, July 25th? All right, here we go. Let's finish this up. Let's finish this up. Last, last four weeks, last three weeks, uh, we've been in Matthew 6, just walking through and soaking in the Lord's Prayer. And so we're going to finish up today and, and pray it out strong and, and do a little bit more worship at the end of the service. Are you ready? Yeah. Are you ready? Is it good to be here today? Yeah. I'm glad you're here. It's good to be with the body of Christ church. It really is, man. All right, Matthew 6, if you have your Bibles, this is going to be fun. Man, we got to finish today. I'm going to read this last little portion of Matthew 6, 13, and then we're going to talk through a lot of other scripture. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Man, I hope the Lord has used his word the past few weeks in your life. Um, and I've been so encouraged by some of you just testifying and telling me, hey, this is what God has been doing in my life. And I've just been blown away and just, man, it's, it's awesome. And so I, I trust that the spirit has used the past few weeks and I trust that he'll use his word today. Let's pray. Oh, Father. It is all yours. We are yours, Father. Thank you for your presence in this place. Thank you for your people. Lord, without you, we're all alone, but you are here. And your word is true, so speak through this feeble mouth, this broken vessel, and be glorified because all the glory is yours. Help us finish strong, Lord, as we move into the school year, as we move into fall. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for Jesus. We're all level at the foot of the cross today, all in need of Jesus and all loved and forgiven when we believe in Christ. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, when I said turn your Bibles to Matthew 6, 13, some of you turned there and I started reading and you're like, where is it? Right? So let's get some technical stuff out of the way. We know our English translations, and I'm not going to do this justice, so I, I wish I could do, I, I was going to spend more time on this, but I figured, hey, you know, I'm just going to spend a little bit of time on this and then we can talk later or I'd love for you to do some study. But I think most of us know that our English translations, right, we have a plethora of them. I, I tend to use, um, I don't use the King James. I use what's called the MEV right now, which is basically a modern, it's called the modern English version. It's a modern rendition of the King James. So don't fall asleep on me because this might be boring and this might be interesting. Some of you don't even have this in your Bible. It, it, let's just by a show of hands, who has this in your version? Who doesn't have this in your version? <laughs> Amen. So, where we get our English translations from, right, is a host, a great host of different manuscripts, Hebrew and Greek, right? The New Testament is written in Greek. And so you have these different families of manuscripts, right? And so when the Bible translators go in and they're trying to come up with it, the ESV or the NASB or whatever it is, they take from different families of manuscripts. And so the family of the King James manuscript, they're going to take from manuscripts that have this portion included in it. 
Now, I think the question comes, okay, why isn't it included? And there's different theories when you um, dig into this. You know, some people are like, oh, it was added later. Um, there was one theory that says, hey, this doxology is such a common um, part of, of prayer that it just, the, the, they didn't feel the need to include it in some of the translations you guys have. So it really depends on which manuscripts it was taken from, but I think it comes down, I don't, the reason I'm not just skipping over this is because we're not afraid to look at things that maybe people would, you know, question and say, well, why isn't that consistent? Is this an indiscrepancy? Does this mean the word of God is, is fallible, that it's, it's actually errant? And I would say, no, not at all. This doesn't, this doesn't make me lose confidence in the inerrancy of Scripture. And so I just wanted to address this. And I think when we come and we ask, okay, did Jesus actually say this then? If some manuscripts include it and others don't, is this really how he taught us to pray? I think it's cool because you could end the prayer at deliver us from evil. You could just end it there. But I think you could also go on when you look at the greater context, context of Scripture, which is what we do when we're trying to understand, understand Scripture. We look at the greater context. We look at other passages. And so when I look at the Psalms, when I look at the prayers of the apostles in their letters, I can see that this praising God and acknowledging God and worshiping God in prayer is such a common and assumed thing. So I have no problem accepting this as the ending. And honestly, I would prefer this as the ending because rather than just saying, okay, deliver me from evil, I'm going to go on to then praise the Lord. Um, and, and I think there's a, there's a flexibility because our English translations, I want to be careful here, but our English translations are fallible. But the original word of God is not, and he sustains his word. And so my confidence that scripture is inerrant and my confidence that I can believe this is true, just like I can read an NASB or an ESV and believe, oh, that's the word of God as well, does not come from a proof of, oh man, I, you know, everything is perfect, right? It comes from a faith of looking at the evidence that we have more manuscripts and the consistencies in those manuscripts over millennia is more consistent than any other historical document that we have access to. And I look at the different evidence. I look how God uses his word. And my faith, and really what we don't even have original, like we don't have the manuscript that Matthew or, or James or whoever, right, actually penned. We have copies of copies of copies, right? And so I, why am I saying this? Am I saying this to cause some of you to doubt? No, I'm just saying we're not afraid to look at these questions. And I don't want to be afraid when we come to things in the word of God that maybe make us, you know, kind of turn our heads and be like, wait, what, what's going on here? And hopefully I'm not just confusing all of you. But I look at scripture and I say, no, Lord, I, I believe, I, I see all this evidence, but at the end of the day, there's still, there's still a gap here. And that gap is where faith comes in. The gap is where faith comes in. When I choose to believe and I say, Lord, no, I choose to believe that your word is inerrant. When I look at it and where there are maybe um, what we would call indiscrepancies or things, none of them ever touch theology. And I, I tend to prefer the King James because there's a couple, Romans 8 is another one where they'll maybe exclude something, right? But when you look at the context of Scripture, we don't miss anything because it says that same truth. It communicates that same truth elsewhere. And so that's kind of where I come to this, and I'm going to say, okay, Lord, in simple childlike faith, this is what my Bible says. This is what those manuscripts say. So I'm going to go with this, and I'm, I'm going to believe it's your word. And for those of you who don't have this in your Bible, then I would say, man, just follow along in the Psalms and the other prayers with me that do end in this. And we know that what this verse is saying 
is true even if you don't believe necessarily. I, I did my studying and I don't believe Jesus actually said that. Well, well, that's fine. Paul says it and David says it and Moses says it and it's all over scripture so it, that truth is untouched. Does that make sense? Okay, I hope so. I, I just wanted to kind of get that out of the way because I didn't want to just move on and you're like, how am I supposed to follow along in my Bible when it's not even there? So anyway, I do love this ending. I love this ending. And the first word, for, it connects everything we talked about already. It connects everything we talked about and it says, okay, for, it's pointing to something, right? And even if we don't have this, we already know because the prayer started with it, right? It's connected to three things, kingdom, power, and glory. Lord, give me this day my daily bread. Hallowed be your name. Deliver me from evil. Forgive my sins for, because yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory. And so I want to unpack these words one at a time briefly. Kingdom. Yours is the kingdom. Church, we exist in this physical world that is, in some sense, the kingdom of darkness, right? There's the prince of the power of the air, the rulers of this world, right? There's wickedness and evil, and that's not God. And we're called to live in this kingdom while we are simultaneously citizens of another kingdom. And we are to be agents of that new kingdom, representatives of the king of kings in this world of darkness and sin and evil. Do you believe that? And we are to manifest the behavior and the heart and the attitudes and the spirit of that new kingdom so that when people who are in darkness see our lives, they see something different than the kingdom they're surrounded by. Yours is the kingdom. It's not about advancing our kingdom as a little add-on to God's kingdom. No, no, no. It's all God's kingdom. And so that's why at the beginning of the prayer, what are we praying? Your kingdom come. Lord, that kingdom that is yours, make it so. Cast out this kingdom of darkness and evil and suffering and everything that goes with it and bring your perfect reign, your perfect rule. And this is, this is the great commission, church, that we talk about. Matthew 28. Jesus says, go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things I have commanded you. And remember... I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Do you know what that is? That's Jesus saying, go advance my kingdom. Go make my kingdom known. Make disciples of the kingdom, church. And then this is Paul. He's standing before King Agrippa. He's imprisoned at this point. And he's testifying of what God has done in his life. There's several times in scripture where Paul will, will give his testimony. And so we hear Paul's story like two or three times. And that's what he's saying. And he's talking to King Agrippa. And this is what he says. He says, I said, who are you, Lord? Remember when um, Jesus appears to Paul, knocks him off his horse and, and, and appears to him. And Paul says, I said, who are you, Lord? He said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise, stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose. John, I appear to you for this purpose. Jake, I appear to you for this purpose, right? Ted, I appear to you for this purpose. Stephanie, I appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you as a servant and a witness, 
both of what you have seen and of what I will yet reveal to you. I will deliver you from your people and from the Gentiles to whom I now send you. This is hilarious. God's like, I'm going to send you to people who want to kill you, but I'm going to deliver you from the people I'm sending you to. That's comforting. To open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. For this purpose, church, you were called. You are an agent of the king of kings. You are a citizen of heaven. You belong to another kingdom. And so while you are just, you know, as our, our first Peter series, thriving in exile, remember that? That's what we're doing. We belong to another kingdom church, but right now we're in exile in a foreign land. This is not your home. This is not your home. Stop trying to make it your home. You're a citizen of another kingdom. Yours is the kingdom. Now check this out. Yours is the power. The power. When we think of God, this is a part of God that we just so often assume, don't we? It's kind of like, yeah, God, power, I get it. Like they go together. But what does God's power mean for your life? Have you seen God's power in your life? Do you know the power of God? Look what Psalm 62, 11 says. God has spoken once, twice have I heard this, that power belongs to God. God is the sole owner of all power and authority. And yet he allows, their, he allows others to temporarily hold, very important, temporarily hold position, authority, and power in this earth, does he not? The President of the United States, his power derives from the power of God. He has authority because God has given it to him. Our Congress, any ruler in this world, has authority because God has allowed them to have it temporarily. Do you understand that? That's scripture, church. That's not my opinion. And that's not just this scripture, right? But we know all authority belongs to God. So when we see others holding power, we know where they got it from. And we also have the confidence to know that, hey, it all belongs to God. And he's, he's, he's going to have it all one day, right? But he gave us power. He gives you power, right? To subdue the earth. To work the land, right? In the garden, we see. He's given us authority over his creation as man. A little lower than the angels, right? So he's also given us part of his power and authority. Colossians 2.10. I love this promise. I come back to it again and again. You are complete. You don't lack anything. You are not inadequate in Christ. You are complete in Jesus, who is the head of all authority and power. Jesus. He's the head. And Ephesians, this is a little longer, but I love the prayers of Paul because I can just go through and I can just pray them over you guys. I can pray them over myself. I can pray them over my wife. And so this is Paul's prayer to the church in Ephesus. He says, I want the eyes of your understanding that they might be enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance among you, among the saints. You are God's inheritance. And it's the, you are the riches of the glory of his inheritance. It's you. And what is the surpassing greatness of his power? 
He's like, I want you to know this. I want you to know what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward you who believe. According to the working of his mighty power, which he performed in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. Far above all principalities and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things in subjection under his feet and made him the head over all things for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all ways. God holds the power, church. And God uses his power in your life. Have you seen the power of God? I've seen it. I've seen it. Last Sunday on a phone call, I heard of it. Someone came to my office this week, and I saw it, and they testified of the power of God in their life. I can see the power of God in my own life, where he has overcome sin. He has changed my desires. He has picked me up in the lowest of moments. Have you seen the power of God, church? It's hilarious. Me and my wife, we're watching The Chosen right now. How many of you have watched The Chosen and seen that or are watching it? Man, that is so good, man. I love the show. I, season one, episode three, I kind of was like, ah, it's, it's all right, but kind of just let it go. And then my wife's been kind of saying, hey, I want to watch The Chosen. So we started watching it. I was like, oh, my gosh, this is so good. What, what's, how did I miss this before? What's amazing to me is, is how well it's directed and put together in a way that it takes these Bible stories that we can just, we know so well. We just read over them. But it, it animates the power of God. It takes scripture and it says, no, 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 no. Like, understand what this is actually saying. Jesus walked up to this dude and said, get up and walk. And he was paralyzed. That doesn't happen, church. The power of God. And this is something interesting about the power of God before we move on. That when you believe God is all-powerful, but you do not tie that to his love and goodness in your life, the power of God is simply something to avoid. It is simply something that causes you to try to get on God's good side and to kind of avoid God because he's all-powerful, but you don't really believe he's all-good. You don't really believe he knows or wants or is going to make happen the best in your life. That he really loves you. And so the power of God just becomes something abstract that we kind of just want to avoid and, you know, let me just make sure I don't get the bad side of God's power, right? And on the other side, which I think this is less of us, if you believe God loves you and you believe in his goodness, but yet you somehow doubt his power to display that in your life, I mean, that's even darker because now there's something else that's more powerful than God is what you're saying. You don't believe God can interact and invade and, and, and control the things in your life. But you believe he's loving and so you have, you have a God that's helpless to help you. But when you understand, it's not this, it's not this. When you understand that God is all powerful and that he loves and pursues with goodness, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. You know what that is? That's good news, baby. That's the gospel. That's the gospel displayed in Jesus, the power of God and all of his love and mercy and goodness in your life. What have we to fear? Like David, 
10,000 on my right, 1,000 on my left. I have the Lord as my strength. I just like combined a bunch of David right there. I don't know what he says. Kingdom, power, yours is the glory. I love this word. I love this word because this word, church, this word is the reason you exist. It is the reason the dust of your being has life right now, has breath. Your heart is beating because of glory. You know what glory is, church? Glory, well, let me back that up with scripture. Isaiah 46 through 7 Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth, even everyone who is called by my name, for I have created him for my glory. I have formed him and I have made him. And I've talked about glory before, but I need a reminder so often because it just becomes this ethereal, like, white light, kind of thing like glory all right you know after winning a football game and I'm on top of someone's shoulders and my adrenaline's kicking I'm like yes we won the championship we didn't lose by a lot I'm just kind of like reliving and trying to fantasize something better happened glory is ultimate joy peace rest security freedom safety and happiness you know God is for your happiness? Do you believe God is for your happiness? But here's the deal. God doesn't sell you short. God is for your highest happiness. Do you know what, that's what glory is, church? Glory is everything that the depths of our heart long for. But what happens is we pursue such pathetic counterfeits and versions of glory in this life. If your career that you're pursuing, the family that you're trying to make, the goals that you're trying to reach, they're not led by the Spirit. They don't revolve around Jesus. They're pathetic versions of glory. I don't care how high you go. I don't care how much money you make. I don't care how happy your family is. That's harsh. But church, I'm abandoned to the glory of God. Nothing else matters. Because it is the highest it is the ultimate, it is the best, and everything in this life, if it's not done for the glory of God, it will burn, it will fade, it will be nothing. Now, do you believe that? In your heart, in your mind, do you, I don't need you to tell me, do you believe that? What are you pursuing right now? Because the weird thing is, is that it's not our glory. Because that's what the world says, it says yes, your glory, right? When you get successful that career, when you get that happy family, when you get that American dream, when you get that whatever it is, right? That, those goals and you make it and you do it, you get glory. And that's just sad, man. It's just, it's like C.S. Lewis said, it's like children playing with mud pies because they can't understand what is offered them by a holiday at the sea. Some of you need to wake up in here because that you're still playing with mud and you need to get a glimpse of the glory of God. Father, yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory, not for a day, not for a week, for 
ever. Amen. Do you know what amen means? This word is so rich. It's, it's perhaps the most common word throughout all languages, amen. Amen is closely tied to, I think it's the Hebrew word, for faith, for belief. When we say amen, I am declaring something. I'm saying, so be it. Let it be done. You have done it before, you'll do it again. I believe it is so. So I don't just say amen because it's kind of the religious thing to do. I say amen to remind myself, okay, Lord, I asked for these things. I have looked to you. I say amen because I believe in you. I believe you will do. I believe I have the things I have asked for. I believe in who you are. You have done it. You will do it again. So be it. Amen. And there's a strength in that word, church. So can we say amen today as we finish off this series? Anthony, Jackie, would you guys come up and, and, clo- and open us up in our time of prayer today? And, and I just want, Dimitri, can you just put the, the, the next verse on the screen? Yeah, this is just the Lord's Prayer right here. And so whatever the Lord would lead you, let's kind of take all the weeks that we've talked about, all the different stuff we've kind of meditated on, and let's just soak in this as we pray now. Let's take this entire prayer to the Lord. And if the Holy Spirit has you focusing on one element that we've talked, on, talked about throughout the weeks, that's fine. But in our time of prayer today, man, let's just, let's just soak on this. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. It's all you guys. All right, church, let's bow our heads and pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your, for your word, for your goodness, and for the privilege to sit here today and, and hear of your word and hear of your goodness. And Father, we just, I come and I ask on behalf of our church, God, that you would speak to us individually as we enter into this time of prayer, that we would hear your voice that for a moment we would just be silent and listen to what your voice has to say to us. I pray that if we are far in mind that you would draw us back, draw us into a time with you to bask in your goodness and your holiness. I pray that you would encourage those who are, whose spirits are low, that you would uplift those who need that reminding of your goodness and your love and your power in their life. I pray and I believe these things in Jesus' name. Thank you, God, for this time, Lord, that of prayer, that we even have the ability, the opportunity, Lord, to communicate to you, Lord. Um, I pray that you'd give us ears to hear and eyes to see, Lord. Convict those that need conviction. Uplift those that need uplifting. Encourage those that need encouragement, Lord. 
I'm going to pray through this here. I want you guys to listen. Open your ears. Ask the Holy Spirit to open your ears and to remind you who you are in Christ. I renounce the lie that I am rejected, unloved, or shameful. In Christ, I am accepted. God says, I am God's child. I am Christ's friend. I have been justified. I am united with the Lord, and I am one spirit with him. I have been bought with a price. I belong to God. I am a member of Christ's body. I am a saint, a holy one. I have been adopted as a child of God. I have direct access to God through the Holy Spirit. Remember that. You can go to him. You don't need anybody to, to, to go to him. You can go to him. He's given you that's your birthright. I have been redeemed and forgiven of all my sins. I am complete in Christ. Remember that. I renounce the lie that I am guilty, unprotected, alone, or abandoned. In Christ, I am secure. God says, I am free from condemnation. I am assured that all things work together for good. I'm going to read that one again. I am assured that all things work together for good. I am free from any condemning charges against me. I cannot be separated from the love of God. I have been established, anointed, and sealed by God. I am confident that the good work God has begun in me will be perfected. I am a citizen of heaven. I am hidden with Christ in God. I have been given a spirit of I have not been given a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and self-control. Listen, I have not been given a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and self-control. Remind yourself of that. I can find grace and mercy to help in time of need. I am born of God, and the evil one cannot touch me. I renounce the lie that I am worthless, inadequate, helpless, or hopeless. In Christ, I am significant. This is what God says. I am the salt of the earth and the light of the world. I am a branch of the true vine, Jesus, a channel of his life. I have been chosen and appointed by God to bear fruit. I am a personal, spirit-empowered witness of Christ. I am a temple of God. I am a minister of reconciliation for God. I am a fellow worker with God. I am seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. I am God's workmanship created for good works. You want to know what you're created for? You are created for good works to glorify God, period. I may approach God with freedom and confidence. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I am not the great I am, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And I pray that that would just penetrate our hearts, our spirits, Lord, that somebody would be encouraged by that, reminded of, of what you've done, Lord, on the cross and how you died for our sins and rose again, Lord, and that we choose to believe these things daily, 
we choose, Lord, by faith to believe in what you say, who we are in you, Lord. Amen.